Great to see all of you this morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful South Bay day today. Wherever you're watching online, it could be my friends in Virginia or some of your friends in Hawaii or Arizona or Minnesota. Welcome online to all of you. If you would turn your Bibles to James chapter 3. We're going to be in a new chapter in James in our series entitled Steadfast. And um, the notes for this, for this sermon is on novachurch.org or it's on your Nova Community Church app. And there's a Bible there on that app and I'm sure there's one near you on a device or in your lap somewhere. James chapter 3, uh, we'll begin in verse 1 in just a second. But I do want to say, um, of course, good morning to all of you who are on the lawn here today on this beautiful day and and good morning to all of you in the drive-in out there it's great to see all of you uh, consistently coming in the drive-in and then of course good morning to all of you who are watching on a live stream or later um, on a recording what a great day that we have here James chapter 3 verse 1 not many of you should become teachers my fellow believers because You know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and Sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt, can, can salt spring produce fresh water. This is God's word for us today. Our words, our words can bite, can't they? James chapter 3 verse 2 says that, If we can control our tongues, we would be perfect and and could control ourselves in every other way. But we really can't. So it says it starts with our mouths, or maybe it starts with our texting in in our culture, in our world today. And what we say, what we say, it definitely does this. It steers the direction of our lives. Our words will steer us 
where our words go. We tend to move in the direction of our words. And if we talk about our words being a steering wheel of our life, the tongue is powerful. Here's the deal. The average American will have 30 conversations a day. 30. In one year, you could fill 53 books with the words that you use. In one year, fill, the, fill words with 53 books, and in that book, it could have a thousand different words. You're going to spend at least 20 minutes, I'm sorry, 20% of your life talking. For some of you, it's going to be more than 20%. It'll be 30 or something like, like that. But words definitely steer our, our life. And in James chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I hate that verse. It's, it's a hard verse. James is writing to Christians about the power of our words in these 12 verses. And he illustrates the point so well. And those of us who use words to instruct others will be judged more strictly. Now get this. I want you to hear this. It's not that you'll be held to a higher standard if you're an instructor. God's not holding you to a different standard than everyone else. When I am out in the community and and talking with people and they find out that I'm a pastor, a lot of times people will say, oh, how long have you been a pastor? And I'll tell them how long. And they'll say, man, that must be tough. Having to live under a different standard. And I say, no, not at all. Because Christians all have the same standard. But the scriptures teach us that those who instruct will be judged more strictly. But we all have this same standard. In my 34 years of ministry, my biggest regrets are not things that I've done, but my biggest regrets are things that I've said. And my second biggest regret is when I didn't say something and I should have said something. See, our biggest regrets in life are our words. Things that we said or things that we shouldn't have said. But I I want you to join me in the sermon today. I know a lot of you are teachers out there, but I really want all of you, as much as many of you as possible, to join this instruction today. And so think about this. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a second, so prepare yourself. But think if you qualify in this category. How many of you are teachers? Don't raise your hand now. How many of you are teachers? How many of you lead a group or a team? like a team captain in your, in your, on your sports team? How many of you are supervisors? How many of you are managers or mentors? How many of you are parents or grandparents or uncles or aunts? How many of you are older siblings? And if you fall into any of those categories, would you raise your hand right now? Okay, I am not alone today, it, it seems. Yeah, you're all with me. James is saying to us, I'm going to teach you about words, but you've got to stay steadfast in all of this. Last week, Pastor Adam brought, us, uh, brought to us James's discussion of three types of faith. They were, it was dead faith, it was demonic faith, and it was dynamic faith. And dynamic faith 
is accompanied always by action. Powerful faith is demonstrated by word and by deed. And today, James, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, teaches us about the power of our words. And so the question we're going to answer today through the scriptures in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 is, what power do words have? And the first point is this, we are all accountable for our words. We are all accountable for our words. In James chapter 3, once again in verses 1 and 2, he says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. If you look at verse 2, those first two words there are so telling because it says, we all, it's all of us. I don't know whoever came up with that nursery rhyme. You know that one that goes, sticks and stones? How does it go? Sticks and stones may... But words, they're never going to hurt me. Whoever wrote that, whoever came up with that is just an idiot. I mean, there I go with my words again, calling somebody an idiot. But, you know, I have so many wounds and scars on my body, on my physical body. I feel like I'm a cat with nine lives. I almost died, I don't know, about nine times. But when I was a little baby, I had this very little-known disease that I should have died from. And I used to ride bikes for long distances, and I've gotten hit by cars twice. I've skied in the trees where I should have wrapped my body around a pine tree as I'm coming down the hill. I've surfed in not huge waves, but big enough waves waves to kill me. I had a surgery, and I should have died when I was in elementary school. I've driven in in times that I shouldn't have driven, and I've done a lot of stupid things when I was a teenager that I should have died from. And as I think about those things, I think, oh, those are good stories to tell, but I don't think about them a lot. But I'll tell you what, it's the words that people have said to me that have encouraged me that I still remember to this day. And it's those words that some people have said to me that have just cut me that I still remember so clearly to this day. And I've said this over the last few weeks. There are two types of people in this world. There's imperfect people, and then there's Jesus. And that's it. And James says, we all, all of us stumble in so many ways. We're all imperfect, or we're Jesus. But there is only one Jesus. And Jesus came because God loved his creation so much that he wanted a relationship with you. But God's perfect, and if we're imperfect, we can't have a relationship with him. So God had a rescue plan of sending his son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth and to talk about the kingdom of God and what this world should be like. And then he went to the cross. And so that imperfect human beings that God wanted a relationship with, their sins would be paid for by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. He died the death that we couldn't die. And he lived that perfect life that we should have lived. And if you put your trust in him, you can have a relationship with the perfect God. 
James says we all stumble in many ways. And this is no excuse to say things like, you know what, I could say whatever I want because everyone says it. Everyone else cusses. My coworkers won't take me seriously unless I use the language that they know. My group or team, we have our own speak. We know what we mean when we say what we say. This is how we just get along. You know, one of the genres of music that I enjoy, in fact, one of the reasons why I like it is because our whole family likes it. And that's something that divides a lot of families is, you know, parents like one type of music and kids like another type. And, but our family, we kind of hit on this and we like country music. And so we go to a couple concerts every year and we, someone, one of our favorite bands puts out a song and we'll text the link to one another and we listen to it. And we just like good country music, which seems to be an oxymoron to some of you, good country music. But anyways, there's a band that we really like and they have a song that goes like this. We love what we love. We want to have fun. Yeah, we cuss on them Mondays, and we pray on them Sundays. We pass it around, and we dream that one day, this is how we roll. This is how we roll. We cuss on them Mondays, and we pray on them Sundays. This is just how we roll. That's just life. And I want to ask you something. If, if, you're, if you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, How is Jesus calling you to use your words? How does Jesus want you to roll in life? How do we love others? Is our language different on Sundays as it is every other day of the week? And do you only pray on Sundays? And what do we pass it around with our words? You see, number one, we're all accountable for our words. Number two, our character is measured by our words. Number two is our character is measured by our words. Jesus talked a lot about what people say, especially to the religious leaders of his day. They misuse their words all the time. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. I love that Jesus says that. You brood. You family of snakes, is what he was saying. How can you, who are evil, say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Let me just say that again. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. Your words reveal what's inside of you. If you speak encouraging and uplifting words, that's what's inside. And if you are foul-mouthed, if you speak words that are cutting and biting, that's what's inside. Your words are an overflow of your heart, is what Jesus says. When I was a young adult, I had a lot of problems with cussing. I thought I could cuss a little bit, and then it just wouldn't affect me. 
but in school and college and then in my work. And then I coached high school basketball. And I was inexperienced in coaching high school basketball. And I was insecure as a young adult. And so I thought to myself, my players can only understand me if I use the same language that they did. And I remember sitting in a worship service on a Sunday and thinking to myself, I don't want to cuss anymore, but I can't stop. And so I really tried to stop saying those words, but it just kept on, I couldn't stop. And I still remember the Holy Spirit really speaking deep into me and saying, just, just turn it over to me. Just confess that. Just, just reach out to me. And I just, over the last couple weeks after that moment, I just felt like God was changing my heart. And as God changed my heart, my words changed. You could try to stop saying the cutting and cussing words, but that's not really what this is about. It's not just saying the right words. Because what Jesus said here, your words are an overflow of what's going on inside of you. There is no better test of our character and spiritual maturity than how we use our words. Number one, what's the power of our words? We're all accountable to what we say. Number two, character is measured by our words. Number three, our words control our destiny. Our words control our destiny. Now, we're not talking about our salvation here when I talk about destiny or our ultimate destiny. James says it here in in chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. He says, "When when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large, they're driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. So who's controlling your tongue is the question. Who's controlling your tongue? Huge horses, these beasts, are tamed and trained by a little piece of metal stuck in their mouth. And ships, U.S. naval uh, aircraft carriers, the the Nimitz, some of the biggest ships out there, 9,400 tons of metal and steel. 1,092 feet in length, these aircraft carriers. And they are steered by one person who controls the rudder. The rudder is one one-thousandth the size of this ship. And on a wonderful summer, summer day like this, maybe some of you are going to go to the beach after this and sit on the sand and play in the waves. And you look out, if you're at the avenues or at Rat Beach, and you just look out, And sometimes you see these big cargo ships way in the distance. And James is saying, this hulking piece of metal that that braves stormy seas and goes thousands of miles in the open ocean is steered by this tiny little rudder. And James is saying, someone is holding the reins of your words. Someone has to be steering the ship. And we all stumble in so many ways. You can't just say, hey, this is how we roll. Who's controlling your tongue? 
James says in verse 5. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes a great boast. Consider what great forest fire is set on fire by a spark. Oh, I wish you could see that. I guess I wish it was nighttime. Maybe you can see that a little bit better on the live stream. You know, James says our words, it's like a spark. Right now there's maybe three forest fires that are burning in our area. This morning, I went to bed last night and it was 12,000 acres, the apple fire. I woke up this morning and it was 15,000 acres, 0% contained. And James says, our words are like this, this spark. It can set a whole forest on fire. He says the tongue is also a fire. It's a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. In California, we understand that these unguarded sparks can turn into this fire. The tongue is a small thing, but the damage that it could do. A great forest can be set on fire by one tiny spark. Your words will reveal what's really in your heart. And even a small, careless word, just a small, careless word, can become this raging wildfire argument. What are the power of our words? Number one, we're all accountable. Number two, character is measured by it. And number three, our words are our destiny. And the last point today is this. Words can bring life and death. Our words bring life and death. In verses 9 through 12, James says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You know, last week we had a, a staff meeting and I asked a question. I said, I said, think about words that you remember in your life. And it has to be five years or longer, five years or older words. Think about words that someone said to you in your life that made such a great impact that you still remember who said it and what they said and even the setting, what it looked like and what it smelled like and all of that. Let's share those words. And so we just kind of all went around and, and there were words from a boss, from a pastor, from a coach, from a parent. And I think we all have those words that we, that we remember, that someone encouraged us and, and brought us hope and healing in a time. But we also know that there's those words that someone has spoken to us five years or longer that are so impactful in a negative way that we'll never forget those words. 
And someone once said, words that are spoken can bring encouragement, but some of the most painful words are those that were never said. And how true that is. We talked a couple weeks ago about the sermon in a sentence. That out of this last 20 minutes that I've talked, if we were to boil all of what I said down into just one sentence, what would that sentence be? And, and this is it. It's, it's part of a verse in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And if you get this, you got the sermon today. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. A good question to ask yourself is, what, are the, what is the source of the things that come out of your mouth? At the end of the day, Jesus said, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. And sometimes people will say, you know, I don't know why I said that. That's just not like me. And I would say to them, it's exactly like you. Because that's what's in your heart. And that's why you said it. If you have a problem with your words, the reality is that your heart is not healthy. You've got a heart ailment you have heart disease if it's anger if it's bitterness if it's hurt or if it's envy it's in your heart it's going to come out through your mouth and you will not get better even if you try to stop saying what you're saying you will not get better unless you take care of your heart and thankfully god specializes in healing your heart in the old testament In Ezekiel chapter 36, it says, I will give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your hard, stubborn heart, and I'll give you a tender heart. I'll give you a responsive heart. So today, my encouragement for you today, we all stumble in so many ways. Today, would you take a look at your heart and ask God to come and heal what's going on inside. And as he does that, your words will be transformed because death and life are in the power of our words. Amen?